As usual, we'll begin with a very high-level overview of the economy and the markets, and then we'll open it up for some questions, assuming people are able to call in. I think we may have had a uh, write-in question. Yes, we did. So what has changed since our last call? Not much. We'll take you through our current thinking. President Trump is no less controversial. He's still mired in political conflict and controversy. And the Trump rally seems to either have slowed or is taking a breather. So to recap performance for the market since the election, in the two months after the election last year, the market was up at pretty astounding 8%. Uh, following into the first quarter of this year, the market was up about 6%. In the second quarter, it has slowed, but was still up a reasonable 3%. And going into the third quarter, even though it's only a couple weeks into the quarter, the market is trading just about flat. And Christian is going to talk a little bit about some of the subcurrents going on in the market, even though it doesn't appear that the overall market has done much. There is growing concern about Trump's ability to create positive momentum for the economy, and this may be the primary reason for the market slowdown. The markets have been patient so far, but will likely become more anxious as the year wears on, especially if Trump is not able to deliver on his promised initiatives. Meanwhile, the economy continues to plot along. Economic growth is still slow. Inflation remains low. And interest rates, despite the Fed's recent rate hikes, haven't changed much and still remain quite low. And despite these low rates, bonds are actually having a pretty good year. Your bond portfolio is actually up nicely so far this year. The U.S. equity markets are still trading above their long-term averages. And we'd still view this as stocks are not cheap but stocks are not terribly expensive either. So in this environment where the economy is slow but stable and corporate earnings have been decent, we feel the market is still a good place to be. As we noticed in our previous two calls, the foreign economies and markets have improved quite a bit. Foreign stocks, especially emerging markets, have done quite well this year. We added to European equities earlier this year, and in a few minutes, Christian is going to talk a little bit about another modest change to your foreign allocation. I'm going to turn it over now to Christian for a deeper dive into our views on the economy and the markets. Thanks, Steve. Um, so just a quick recap. I'm going to cover what's going on in the U.S. economy. Uh, secondly, talk about what's going on in the fixed income markets. And then over to the U.S. equities and finally uh, end up with international equities. So uh, as Steve mentioned, really what we've been having for the last few months is this tussle between the hard data and the soft data. So just to recap what that means, soft data is things like confidence, expectations, uh, capital expenditure, intentions. All these are typically surveys of either business or consumers. Mostly people are saying they feel better about the immediate future and they're going to do uh, things like uh, increase their overall investment. And all that's well and good. That seems to be rather good for confidence, but eventually you want to see that soft data translate into the hard data, and that's where we've been running into a problem. Because the hard data is things like trade, consumption retail sales, manufacturing orders uh, and deliveries, and jobs. And, and these have all been sort of sideways to a little, uh, a little weak over the last uh, over the last uh, two or three months. Trade, for example, will probably knock off about a quarter to a half percent of GDP growth in the second quarter. Um, and uh, jobs numbers, while the unemployment number has been relatively good, uh, the 
crucial number of increase in new new uh, in new jobs as well as things like job openings has been has been pretty sideways and, and not nearly as confident as people expected just a few six months ago. So the, the hard data is continuing to not disappoint, but it's not blowing it out to the upside at all. Uh, and I think generally people expected more hard data to come uh, come their way in the second quarter. It just really hasn't materialized. So what is the Fed doing? Well, the Fed is on this path of gradual tightening. Uh, they did increase, as we expected, uh, the Fed funds rate by another 25 basis points uh, back in May. We don't think they'll do it in July, um, almost certainly, and uh, they might do it in September, and that leaves in December. So we are expecting at least another 25 basis point increase. And so why are they doing it when they're not hitting their inflation targets uh, and the jobs numbers are, are good, but there still appears to be a lot of labor slack? Well. I think the Fed is still very concerned that inflation is just around the corner. And with the unemployment being as low as it is, it's 4.6%. It actually had an uptick uh, on Friday from, from a, a slightly lower number the month before. Um, but they expect with, the, with this level of unemployment um, that wage, wage increases uh, will, will start happening. Now, they haven't at all. Wage increases are, are extremely modest. They've barely broken through 2%. Would you say, Christian, also that part of the reason the Fed may be raising rates is to give themselves some ammunition to fight inflation going forward? Because inflation is still higher than the Fed funds rate. And so technically, we still are being expansionist. I think that's right. And also, I, I think there's a real concern that being at the lower end of a lower bound, that if there is a problem in the economy, they can only turn down interest rates by 25, 50 basis points. And if there is anything like a crisis, they'll want to do a lot more than that. So yeah. I think that they're almost like increasing on the expectation of something happening so they've got more tools uh, available later on. Right. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. But meanwhile, inflation is low, and that means that on the fixed income side, uh, real rates have increased a little bit. On the 10-year, they've gone from about 33 basis points to 55 basis points, so that makes uh, bonds uh, a little bit more attractive than they were uh, just uh, six months ago. And the other thing affecting fixed income markets right now is what's going on overseas. And as we mentioned here before, the, the sort of two major central banks that count, the European Central Bank and the Bank of Japan, have been on embarking on a, on a, on a very uh, sort of liberal quantitative easing um, and bond buying policy. And there are some concerns that those might taper off uh, at some point over the next year or so. In fact, there was a scare in the markets last year that the ECB might do that sooner than people expected. It was quickly reversed, but it does show how, uh, how skittish some parts of the fixed income market are. But coming back to the US, we do see the 10-year trading in this 2.2% to 2.6%. Uh, we think that's trading range is likely to hold. We do have the debt ceiling potentially coming as a problem in September, but uh, we'll see if that, if, you know, develops into something uh, more concerning. But the market's done this twice before in the last few years, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably see the debt ceiling as a little bit of political bluff. And I would, I don't think we'll necessarily get 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 overly concerned with it. I think people or investors are getting familiarized with that they're going to make the debt ceiling a political, you know, volleyball. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one thing on the on the fixed income market we are doing is. We've, we've, we've reduced uh, modestly our wage.
weighting in TIPS, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, as their name implies, they, they're, they're tied to inflation and they're a very good inflation hedge. When we thought there might, might be a chance of inflation picking up after the election, we, we, uh, we held on to our investment there. We do see right now that inflation is really being held in check and we've modestly decreased that amount and, uh, and deployed it over to the treasury market just because we think that that holds the best value and is the um, sort of intermediate uh, part of the, of the bond market. So uh, on the equity side, we've really been doing the same thing, tra trading in a relatively narrow range towards the top end of, of, of the range, about 2,400 on the S&P, that's held pretty well. We've had very, very little volatility in the market all year, um, whether you measured by the VIX index, which has had trouble breaking through 12 or 15, um, remember it was as high as 90 back in 2008, um, or just any kind of standard deviation and volatility, you know, day to day, month to month. So it, it, the market is fairly calm, uh, which is good. I don't think there's anything, uh, you know, overly uh, stretched on the valuation side. We're sitting at a 17 times earning. It's a little high, as Steve mentioned, but you know, not not distressingly or overly concerning. So it's still yielding over two percent. So the dividend yield alone is is quite well supported. Well, there's another there's another thing about the equity market that. Um, I've heard comments that the equity market is overextended, is is significantly overvalued. And if you look back historically at the the, the yield, uh, the earnings yield on the market, which is if you take the price to earnings multiple, divide that into one, you come up with an earnings yield. And the earnings yield gives you an indication of how the market's trading relative to other asset classes. So right now, stocks are trading much cheaper from an earnings yield standpoint. So if you just to make the math simple. Uh, if, if the PE were 15, uh, 15, uh, that would be uh, implied an earnings yield of was it 4%? A bit higher. A little bit, yeah, yeah. a little higher than 4%. And when you compare that to Treasuries and bond yields, that's still quite a bit more attractive than than Treasuries and bond yields. And I think that's the key point is that you know whenever we're looking at uh, at, at equities right now, we do see them. Historically quite expensive, but still cheap relative to other asset classes. And in in, uh, in prior bull markets, going back into the 80s and 90s, uh, the equity markets traded with earnings yields lower than the bond yields. Exactly. And the last time they traded with these premium yields was back in the 70s when it was unsure. We were in a recession and it was unsure as to the outcomes for the economy. So the, the way I view this right now is that the markets are still skittish. I don't think anyone's overly enthusiastic or bullish about the markets, even though they've steadily moved up. Yeah, I agree with that. And also, um, just quite a quick review of what's going on in the sectors. The best performing sectors this year have been tech, which I think everyone knows about. Uh, that's kind of roared ahead because of its growth aspects. And also consumer discretionary has done quite well. But within consumer discretionary, the, la the largest component of the consumer discretionary sector is Amazon, which is 160% bigger than the number two component. Comcast. So that's been uh, that has held up well, but part of consumer discretionary is just another play on tech. So that's held up well as as well as uh, healthcare. It's up about 15%. I think that's because uh, whatever happens on the healthcare bill, the the worsening outlook for healthcare, the uncertainty is diminished by quite a bit, and some of these healthcare stocks have just snapped back and come back more into vogue. And again, they have some quite interesting uh, uh, growth uh, underpinning them. And generally, we've seen growth outperform value by a, a 
very big margin, um, and which which we think is another indication that growth uh, stocks and stories are somewhat at a premium. There aren't that many of them, so quite of them are, are getting bid up, and we're also want, certainly want to participate in that, but still have a, a quality bias to our equity holdings. On the international side, uh, we, we started to increase our exposure to Europe uh, at the beginning of the year, and that's done very well. And we think with the French elections now out of the way, you've got two of Europe's major economies, France and Germany, very much aligned politically uh, and from a, uh, a fiscal perspective and sort of, uh, you know, sort of in, in coordination with each other and sort of beating down the populist wave. So that, I think, is letting a, little, a lot more confidence into the Eurozone, and we're, trade, we're trading that up. And one other uh, area which we've started to go into is Asia, with a little emphasis on Japan. Japan has been a market which, for you know, almost decades now, has been sort of under a cloud and with, with very challenging uh, results and performance. But that's started to turn around now. Our exposure in Japan is, is going to be increased a little bit, but it's way below market weighting. Uh, but we do think some of the um, uh, ch changes and, uh, and reforms going on in Japan are beginning to pay off. Pay off. Uh, the yen has weakened a little bit. That obviously helps a very large export part of the economy. And uh, domestic demand is also coming back with very low uh, unemployment numbers and also uh, lower energy prices, which feeds right into people's uh, pocketbooks. So, um, and then finally, the last part is uh, emerging markets. That there's been a very strong part of the uh, uh, price return this year. And again, we think emerging markets are still relatively cheap compared to what they are in the U.S. And one number we looked at was that emerging market GDP growth used to be five percent higher than developed markets. It got down to as low as two percent as emerging markets pulled back. Uh, and it's just slowly coming back up again. So I think people look at the relative growth rates to emerging markets and they're pointing in the right direction. So excuse for a whirlwind tour of everything, but I think that you know, there's a little bit of summer doldrums, trading volumes are low, but we're still pretty confident about the equity uh, outlook and um, a, a, a sort of well underpinned performance in fixed income with our sights set on some of the international markets going ahead. Do we have any? Um, do we have any questions? Yes, we've got a very good two very good questions here, um, uh, which is I'm going to read them out. Uh, some bond prices have been hit, uh, and yields won't make it up for a while. While it's always dependent on particular situations, which bond categories are looking good to sell out of? I don't know, Steve. We we think about this a lot, but I I think the one which which uh, we have avoided for a while and would continue to avoid is U.S. high yield debt. Uh, I just think at the spreads that these trade off uh, above treasuries is pretty low and you're not really getting paid to take that kind of risk. So that's an area which we haven't been in very much uh, for a while, but would continue to say that's probably an area which uh, if we saw it on client portfolios, we'd probably recommend paring back quite a bit. You know, the other area I'm not that excited about are uh, foreign bonds, especially um, uh, where, where the yields are significantly low, maybe zero. Uh, that to me is not particularly interesting. And and some some investors will diversify in all different areas. Almost reminds me of a uh, uh, a pizza pie with a slice of a little slice of this, a little slice of that. Uh, that doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense just to own foreign bonds 
just to have diversification may be a form of diversification. So uh, we still like U.S. bonds and high-quality U.S. bonds, as Chris had mentioned. We did trim tips a little bit, but we moved that money back into Treasuries, U.S. Treasuries. So overall, we still intend to maintain an intermediate, very high-quality portfolio with a duration of slightly less than the market, but the yield, we're actually able to increase the current yield slightly over what the market is. Uh, so that the portfolio is actually doing quite well. And if there is a spike in rates, we're in a good position just because we have a short-of-the-market portfolio. Yeah. Thinking about that, what you just said, another area which probably not a lot of our clients are invested with, we're certainly not, but in a really long-end duration bonds. I mean, we, we heard the other day Argentina's issued a 100-year bond. There are, are other bonds, you know, 25, 35 years in duration with maturity going out 50, 60 years. Should they check people's birth certificates they really before they should. allow them to buy them? I think you're just not getting paid for that. The reason those are out there is they're very good pension fund liability assets, but I think in terms of total return, they're not very attractive. We, we should mention also that, uh, what is it, uh, Lisa, star nine, if people have a question? Star nine. Star nine, if you have a question. And the second part of the, that uh, question was, international, excluding Europe, seems to be performing just okay. Given a long-term horizon, that can, given a long-term time horizon, continue to hold as a token to the gods of diversification, or stop waiting for lightning to strike and seek greener fields. Um, I think that uh, I, I, I think that what we're seeing in Europe is actually pretty good across the uh, international is pretty good across the board. We've discussed Europe as being a strong performer, but Japan smaller companies are up 18% this year. The broad large cap index is only up five, but as I sort of mentioned, a lot of this reform is going to hit smaller and mid-sized companies rather than large companies. India is up 22%. Asia Pacific is up 17%. Emerging markets on an overall basis is up around 20% year to date. And that includes the ones we've discussed here as well as, of course, the Brazil and Russia plays. Right. It's, it's all, all also important to be looking forward rather than looking backwards as to where investment performance is, is going to come from rather where it has come from. So it's, it's easy to look at the U.S. market, which has had a nice run since 2009, and a lot of that was based on um, you know, a reasonable economy, which never really uh, got as bad as Europe's economy and the emerging markets economies, and, and also our quantitative easing program. Now you have Europe and other parts of the world embarking on their own quantitative easing, and they're at an earlier stage of this recovery cycle. So yes, agree that if you look back historically with EM and with Europe and with other parts of foreign markets, you can't make the argument that just because the, the previous performance wasn't good, that the other performance, future performance isn't going to be good. I think we need to look at it a little differently as where are the opportunities going to go rather than where have they been. And so we see actually, uh, we haven't made a big change to the, the foreign allocation. It's roughly where it has been. We, uh, at the margins, increased uh, our allocation to foreign, but it's still relatively low compared to our U.S. allocation. But we think that that's where uh, a lot of the return is going to come, certainly this year and possibly going forward in the next year or two. Yep. Absolutely. So we'll continue to wait for that and feel good about our allocation there. Uh, great question. Thanks for sending it in. Um, so I think it's in star nine, if there are any questions. Uh, I know we're sort of hitting our allotted time. And if there are no more, just to say this will be available on, the, on, the, uh, on our website and as our podcast. So please check out our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. And it's, it'll show up under Brown Janikowski be the first.
and only podcast that comes up using that search command. So please uh, check us out there. And here's the disclosure. Please note the information provided is presentation for general information purposes only should not be considered as an individual recommendation or personalized investment advice. The investment strategy is discussed in this presentation may not be suitable for everyone. Each investor needs to review an investment strategy for his or her own particular situation before making an investment decision or expressions or opinion are subject to change without notice in reaction to shifting market or economic conditions. Past performance is no guarantee of future results and the opinions presented cannot be viewed as an indicator of future performance. Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining in and uh, look forward to speaking with you next month.